All right, it's the uh, Chance of Gaming podcast, episode forty-five, which is a really neat caliber. It's very, it's fat and slow, kind of like me. So, <laughs> with me always is Richard and Roy. Good afternoon, or evening, or morning, or who knows. This is Rich. Hey, this is Roy. I'm in your ears. Hopefully, <laughs> but I'm in Michigan, and not just like the little nest. worm from Star Trek: Wrath of Khan. No, I'm like a babelfish. <laughs> oh yeah, that's yeah. I can see that. Um, I just started rewatching those uh, all those old episodes from the BBC. They're on Hulu. The the uh, Hitchhiker's, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy story, which it's a little dry in places for sure. Oh, Hopefully, wow. it's better than the movie was. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, was that? I'm trying to think the ori- the original BBC broadcast. I think I owned on two VHS tapes. Okay. This looks like maybe it was from the early '80s. I don't know. I don't know, uh, you know, British television that well. Uh, they, they not have public broadcasting where you are? Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I grew up too far away from it. So, like, oh. that was all uppity, like, seeing those old Doctor Who episodes. I had no idea what this was all about. Uh, yep, that's it. That's the that's the super old one. I don't know. Okay. Uh, according to Wikipedia, 1981 is when it came out. I mean, I think okay. I caught it on rerun sometime in the 80s, and I think I bought the VHS at a convention in the 90s, I think. Yeah. I don't know. It always has, like, a little... I mean, of course, I haven't watched it in forever, so maybe it's not... Mm-hmm. It, maybe it doesn't hold up. But it always, like, had a um, kind of a, you know, special place in my heart for it. Yeah. And uh, I liked the new movie, mainly because most Def was in it, so, you know... I dug that. I played, didn't uh, like the new movie. I didn't like Ford. it. Yeah. No. You didn't like it, Richard? No. I just, I mean, I, I loved the books. I read the books many times when I was a kid, and the movie came out, and I thought, eh, that's just, did, it just didn't didn't catch it for whatever reason for me. No. You, you were too critical. Your eye was too critical, I guess. That's me. Super critical. <laughs> All right. So, um... What do we have here? What are, what are we doing on this show? I forget sometimes. Sometimes um, we talk about games. We do sometimes. Uh, Occasionally. Oh yeah. We should talk about uh, our sponsor, Mike, at Alter Dementia, which I ordered some tanks recently from him. And uh, they came out really nice. It, that's really One thing that's really cool we've mentioned before, you know, you can get uh, the STL files for free since, you know, tanks and stuff like that are public domain. You can find them for free, and it's really great for, like, me to get out-of-print Flames of War stuff. So, um, yeah, that's what I did. I got some Soviet big-ass tanks. Anyway, if you want big-ass tanks, you just head on over to Alter Dementia, and we'll have the link in the show notes, and use the discount code COG2019 to save 20% off your order. So, you know what? I have mead in my refrigerator, and I feel like it's too sweet. It, well, I am actually really have... good though. <laughs> it is sweet, but it's really good. I have mead that I'm making in a in a, my laundry room. I have a, a about two gallons of mead bubbling away in there now. Yeah. I, I could just imagine your wife coming in and opening up the washing machine to put some clothes in it and go, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> Which you know, it kind of looks like piss. It's you know, but it's not, so you know, it's okay. It's I am. Um, uh, it is toilet wine next. <laughs> uh, what is it? Uh, Pruno. Tr- That's, prison uh, pr- wine. Yeah. yeah. 
So, so yeah, is, I have. Is this uh, your first batch? Have you drunk anything? Drank, drinked whatever that you have made, Roy? As so far as mead? yes. So not not in mead. The okay. uh, I have an Irish ale that I finished up, and I goofed on it. I only put about half of the priming sugar in it, so the the bottles are not, uh, not not that fizzy. So okay. I'm just basically I'm 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 going to say this is this is pub style. You know, like it came drawn out of a keg, so you're going to get it, you know, at about, you know, 45 degrees, and you're going to get it not carbonated that much, and you're going to live with it because it's pub style. And like <laughs> you're going to live with it. <laughs> yes. And don't question me. <laughs> so anyway, yes, I uh, I cooked up some mead yesterday, and um, it's super easy. I, uh, I flavored it. I have some licorice uh, herbal tea that I flavored it with. That hmm. so. doesn't sound good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, licorice we'll made. It's not black licorice, is, is it? That not, well, it is. I mean, it has licorice root and it. it has a bunch of other stuff in it, like orange peel and cinnamon and other things, too. So it's a very um, uh, kind of a floral aroma when you drink it as tea. Hmm. Okay. We'll see how it goes. But I got about two gallons of that that's, uh, that's cooking up right now. Is that going to be two gallons at the end or does it reduce or something? No, well, it should be two gallons. Okay. I mean, there might be some some sludge at the bottom that we'll leave in the in there. How do you bottle it? Or you just put in a big milk jug or something? Well, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and cap it um, because it's still and I'm I'm a little bit concerned about the bottles exploding. Yeah. Um, oh, so yeah. I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna cap it and hopefully it doesn't you know go kaboom. From what I remember from home brewing, um, I I never did it. I just had friends that did. Uh, they actually put a thing on top of the carboy i think that's what they they call mm-hmm. the bottles of carboy and yeah. it's if pressure increases too much it pops yeah so you know to prevent you know the bottle from exploding and making so that's, a huge mess it, it lets it burp but it doesn't let any outside air go into the bottle so it isolates a one-way valve essentially hmm. okay that would be cool. So you're making your own. Did you locally source your honey? Uh, <laughs> I went to Costco and I bought a bottle of honey from Argentina. That counts. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess. Close Argentina enough. is local to Michigan. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, they had some Michigan honey that, that was for sale, but it was it was 10 bucks for three pounds. And I'm like, I'm more about the 10 bucks for five pounds of honey. So that's what we did. Because I'm cheap. Yes, yeah, I, I completely, completely understand that. So, um, I saw where the Gen Con housing lottery was today. Mm-hmm. And yeah. If you if you guys aren't familiar with that, it's it's pretty crazy. I hope to get back there one day. Um, I, I my friend and I joke about this all the time. Um, I only went once, but my friend has gone multiple times this way it was our more well-to-do friend would buy a hotel room he would buy it out of the block and it would be like in the convention area right there super nice and then they Mm -hmm. would all just pile into it and he you know Mm -hmm. they never they didn't have to ship in for the room so it was a really nice cheap way to go to gen con so this is the lottery to get uh, a room at the convention center. Well, is that what this is? A, it is a lot. Of, yes, that is true. Okay. However, if you get a low enough number, you can get a good room, as in one that is close. 
because I think mm-hmm. my my when I went, what I pulled in the lottery had me like almost out by the freaking airport. Yeah. It so was, there's two blocks of hotels. There's out yeah. by the airport, and then there's downtown. Yeah. I mean, and, I mean, when you got a convention that the airport, 60- if I remember, I've never spent much time in Indy, but I've driven through it a million times. Um, airport is not that close to downtown. No. no. I was, I was 25 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Via Uber is what I had to do twice a day, you know, so I'm, you know, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it was ugh, just awful. You know, that's what put me off of uh, Gen Con last time was staying out by the airport. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think one year I looked at going again and I had bought my badge and you have to buy a badge in order to enter the lottery. And what I pulled in the lottery wasn't good. So I was like, nope, not interested. So I just returned my badge and that was it. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's really cool, man. It's I really, really appreciate a convention that takes three days to get through the dealer room. <laughs> you know? Not me. No, no desired at all. If you gave me a free pass, I wouldn't want to go. Okay. Well, if you're in for gaming, literally oh, every, I can find- every game. I get of. that, but I can find gaming other places. I could go to San Diego Historicon and play big, huge games. I can go to other smaller cons and play big, nice war games. I can, I can play games without playing games with 70,000 people in the same building as me. Yeah. I, I think my biggest complaint uh, from it kind of is, is like there's no real open gaming because there isn't any space for it. Yeah. Every square foot is taken up by someone who, you know, paid or reserved or whatever to be able to do a game there. You just you do see some really cool stuff. I always love um, following the pictures every year that it happens, following the uh, hashtags and stuff. So anyway. Yeah, and there's always lots of good news that comes out of Gen Con as well, releases and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm excited about the fact that it's there, and we'll find out some good stuff, but I don't have to be there to find it out. So, <laughs> uh, Yeah, I'm willing to bet uh, this year is when we get Clone Wars for Armada. I expected it last year, um, but uh, yeah, I, it, I really figure it's going to be this year. Since insiders are saying, like, FFG has decided to really push Armadas after not doing anything with it, and uh, those X-Wing numbers have, you know, not been good. And so, yeah. For your sake, I hope you're right. Yeah, I hope so. I mean... So, having watched a little bit of the Clone Wars, in the first season, there's the the giant ship that the the Separatists have that is like a... It's like a giant... um, What's the word? Like an ion cannon that that just totally disables the ship, and then other ships can come in and, and take it all down. Yeah. Is, is that the sort of thing that they're going to model? You're going to be able to get that capital ship? I don't know. I mean, uh, the, it, presuming that this would be something that would happen. Well, what I always think about is because I haven't watched the you know, the Clone Wars. I just started. I tried. It's like the first episode is a little too cutesy. The first mm-hmm. season is not very good, but it takes off after that. It gets really good. But uh, I am enjoying, uh, what you call it, um, Rebels. Rebels? Yeah. Rebels is very, yeah. I mean, they're both very good. Clone Wars Clone Wars gets to where Rebels is kind of at the beginning, and then Rebels gets even better. Rebels, I think, is a better show, but Clone Wars is definitely worth watching. Well, 
what I figured would be just based on um, the movies that we saw. That's where you would get your initial draw for um, your Armada ships. So you would get those kind of um, those Republic ships that look almost like Star Destroyers, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. you, yeah. Yeah, some Star Wars nerds yelling at this radio right now. Um, there's those, and you know the the droid ships, you know that are that are kind of like round, you know that weird circle that's, thing, and yeah, that's yeah. the droid control ship, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh-huh. that's, that's kind of like what I would think. So, you know. yeah, but if you watch Clone Wars, they do have a lot of original ships too. Like a lot of times, they'll base a whole episode around the fact that the the uh, the droids have this one ship that does this one cool thing and sometimes the the separatists will get one ship that does one cool thing too so all of that stuff will be will be good fodder to put in the game if they want to do that yeah and apparently they keep mining uh, like old uh, concept art and stuff like that in order to yeah yeah, yeah. So, I mean yeah it's it's there's there's a lot of room a lot of room to keep going um, I mean I really want to see some new stuff for Legion, like that little uh, ship that they put out for X-Wing, uh, the little drop ship, the little troop carrier ship for uh, the clones. Oh, yeah. I thought that yeah, was I know the coolest thing ever when I saw it in the movie. And uh, yeah. I would really like to see that in Legion. I guess it would be The, kind the of one big. that's kind of like a Huey helicopter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yep. So um, I, I would really love to see that, so hopefully. But anyway, that's like in, what, like August of this year? Mm-hmm. So, we'll, so we'll see. In more convention news, we have um, what have we got coming up? Oh, I've got uh, Consum World Dallas. I think in less than a month, in about three four weeks. Oh, uh, I'll be there. And um, I mean, I I had to jump on the chance to do it because it's this has become like the closest wargaming convention to me, and it's their first year there and. Whatever. So are you going to play tabletop wargaming or board wargaming? What are you going to do? Uh, I am specifically going. I am going and I am going focused, completely focused on learning how to play games I already have of the that are, uh, you know, advanced squad leader-esque, you know, squad leader clones, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it. Like uh, old school tactical I uh, and uh, lock and load tactical i have um games booked for those two okay to do and um i I mean i'm trying for other ones like uh panzer grenadier uh and then you know just panzer from gmt and i think like one more i was interested in trying to learn but yep oh yeah oh yeah my other one is i'm definitely uh doing uh advanced squad leader there excellent yeah starter kit or real thing um, I think, yeah, uh, yes, we are doing starter kit, but we're doing the, um, the new starter kit, the, um, the, uh, Pacific starter kit. Oh, okay, cool. I have that and I haven't played it yet. So yeah. I've looked through the rules and everything. Yeah. I've played, I've played PTO real ASL, but haven't played PTO starter kit yet. So yeah, I'm excited about jumping in that. And in the next week or so. Uh, I should put a press release out talking about going to um, what you call it. So, um, you know that Geekway to the West. No, what is it what called? You... Geekway is the one up here. It's right. Historic Con. Can't, can't Historic Con? You going to that one? Uh, 
most likely. So, <laughs> Excellent. Um, I'll put All out right. a press release. You'll see it. Oh, uh, the other one, I'm also trying to nail down a guy to learn uh, fighting formations. Okay, also, cool. also from GMT, so, you know. Yep. It's, I mean, it's the weird thing is, is like you could find a, like, you could always find opponents, but you have to be kind of really lucky to find people that are willing to teach. Because, I mean, if you're going to teach, you kind of have to be patient, you know. And really, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not going to be that great a time for you. I know, at least in my limited experience in teaching stuff, you know, because it's just like, why do you not get this concept? <laughs> so when you go to these conventions, are you going to have any merch there with you? Like, you know, if somebody is a listener and they want to like a shirt <laughs> or something? Uh, no, um, I don't oh. think, I don't think so. Um, I think I'm going to do, I'll just do limited edition shirts and by limited yeah. edition, I'll just toss them up on the, uh, T public, page until i forget about them and um but yeah i've been wanting to come up with one for dallas but i can't yeah i i don't know i have it the uh the other one for kansas city i've got some really fun ideas that uh i want to do so but the dallas one i can't think of that much and yeah i don't know mm, uh, maybe right. i'll come up with something uh my uh the friend jack green the de- board game designer is going to be there and have a booth. So I'm going to ask him if I can like put like Chance of Gaming. I have postcards, you know, that you pick it up and it just, you know, it has our website address and tells a little bit about it. And yeah, I want to see if I can put those at his table. I think that'll be cool. But that's about it. And of course, I'll when I'm there, I'll probably have stickers or buttons or something that I just hand out to people. And so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Although for actually selling and raising money, we'll have a. I'm running the poll on Twitter now. Like, um, should I do a GoFundMe like I did last year? Because we do this every February. I need to raise like $250 for operating costs. And um, should we do a GoFundMe? Should we do a parody Kickstarter? Or why not both? So, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. Anyway. You guys got snow up there? I do. Not here. I mean, we got a little bit last week, but yeah, it's uh, it's February, so we'll get a little bit here and there. It's just gonna be cold and miserable for a month or two. We uh, we had the snow start on Friday, and it kind of hasn't stopped. So I don't know. That's like, we're about seven inches right now. Yeah, in Mississippi, it's it's been raining. Like Vietnam mm-hmm. level raining, <laughs> like like this is monsoon. And then one day season. the rain stopped. Yeah, it's yeah. I think we're we're gonna get seven inches of rain. Um, one day, one day it started raining yeah. and raining, and it rained for three months. I know it's it's raining sideways. It's terrible. But anyway, uh oh yeah, I do have new t-shirts available. You can get your oh Adam, do you? Yeah, you can get your AdamCon forty four shirt. That's okay. Um, I'll have the link in the show notes, or you can just go to chanceofgaming.com and click merchandise there on the left. I think it's fun. And, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I need to order one so I can actually wear it to AdamCon. And I'll actually wear it to um, the Dallas convention. I don't think I want to break out my homemade ASL shirt, but we'll see. (laughs) People tend to think I'm, like, mentally ill or disabled. (laughs) I don't know why they would think that. Yeah, I know. Anyway. Anyway, so, what have we been playing 
Uh, I had an NRL 22 match this past weekend in which I ranked 18 out of 21. 21 or 22. Which is good because this is my second match I've ever shot in. Interestingly enough, the NRL is the National Rifle League. Over the past uh, decade, several other pro-gun organizations have popped up since the NRA has gotten a little too conservative Russian. or Russian, you know, whatever. <laughs> and so I always think of the, uh, yeah, so you're starting to see, there's even like, um, there's a, a socialist rifle league or something it even has a mississippi chapter which i was surprised to see uh, th yeah there's a whole bunch of them either that or it's just people that are like you know what these pro gun guys sure do have money to burn so let's see if they'll donate to us or whatever i don't know anyway this is uh distance shooting which a uh a range opened up near me and uh, i've always been interested in distance shooting and so uh, to start out cheaply, I started out uh, doing this, the 22. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting. So what kind so of distance is the, uh, the longest one was 300 yards. Oh, that's a pretty good shot, yeah, 300. With 22? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. So is this, is this with the scope then or yes. iron sights? or okay. with scope. Um, uh -huh. And so, yeah, the interesting thing is, is like my gun, my gun and scope, rig is by far the cheapest one there by far all these dudes are like really way into it so i think like mine i think i paid like 250 for the rifle and like a hundred dollars for the the scope so i you know let's just say i'm in it at 400 dollars. you know mm -hmm. sitting right next to my rifle is a guy's four thousand dollar rig you know mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so it's just a lot of fun to outshoot at least three of them <laughs> with my, my cheap-ass rig. It's it's fun. But uh, I, I do have some limitations. It's like, for one, um, I have prescription uh, eye, eye protection, and it's mm -hmm. two uh, prescriptions ago. And mm. uh, my scope isn't very powerful at all. I think it's a... Seven or a twelve X at the top, the top end, and the like. The guys I'm shooting with against theirs are like thirty two, so I would really like to be able to see the target a little better. I think I could do better, but you know, it was a lot of fun. Plus, you know, twenty two ammo is like super cheap. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Yeah, you can literally get a bucket of it for like ten bucks. Yeah, mm -hmm. although with this, I have to buy Subsonic. Which is just, I mean, it's pretty much the same price. Um, yeah. It and the guys that are, you know, like a, those four thousand dollar rigs I mentioned, some of them have suppressors. So a suppressed twenty two rifle shooting subsonic ammo just sounds like click. That's all you hear. Oh yeah, even even without a suppressor, they don't make much noise. I found that really fascinating. It's like you hear the bolt you know, go. Oh. That's, that's about it. You just don't hear the, the bullet. So, interesting. And I was trying to make it to an X-Wing tournament uh, at, right after. So I was going to be late and they ended up not... They ended up canceling it because four people had the flu that would have played in it. So, I don't know. I was <laughs> going to run a bullshit list that I just threw together. <laughs> uh, it's, I have one... My very first big... Ship is the uh, the rebels one, 
whatever that one is. Is it Ghost? Yeah, that's one of the big Rebel ships. Yeah, um, it's their ship, whatever it is. Um, so so I, the one from – oh, from Rebels. Yes, mean, from yes, Rebels. That ship is called the Ghost, yes. Yeah, yeah. So um, – Not just a Rebel ship, but yes, right. the Ghost. I was going to run that. Or the and I, and I had VCX re- yeah. 900 or whatever it's called without the title. And I had recently purchased a A-Wing and a B-Wing. So I was going to just run those three and just and just be like, yay, we'll see what happens. <laughs> A-Wings are too fragile. I like the B-Wings, though. I was there. Um, the the loadout for missiles and stuff was really interesting to me because I bought that. And also I bought that Hot Shots and Aces thing. So I was going to try it. But anyway, uh, that and then um, the other thing is today why I'm really tired and somewhat hoarse is I've been cleaning out uh, my dad's house for like it's it's going on the market I think in like five days or something like that mm-hmm. so I'm finding all kinds of interesting stuff um, and I'll, I've been posting it on Twitter uh, I think today like I brought home a box of Aerotech old Battletech stuff and one of the things I found I forgot I own an Odyssey 2 back from when I used to collect retro games. And I, the main reason why I never got rid of it was I own a copy of um, Quest for the Rings. So if you can imagine a board game integrated into a Atari 2600 level you know, computer... To be able to play, um, yeah, it, that was just something weird and interesting enough for me to play it. So I'm thinking about digging it out for um, AdamCon 44 and trying to uh, play it because I honestly don't think it I, works. I believe so, but I started poking around. I don't. I have to find the power plug for it, and I need to get an adapter because you know it's that whole. Uh, it it uses coax. Yeah, and, which I mean, I guess the easier thing to do is probably just grab a CRT TV, you know, and uh, just plug it. Do they the still make that. those? Well, you can no, still find one. Yeah, yeah. Believe me, you can find them everywhere around here. That's like all you ever see in like you know, uh, thrift stores and whatnot, uh, Goodwill, all that kind of yeah. stuff. I mean, just grabbing <laughs> like a 19 inch one, even though it's still kind of heavy, would would be kind of cool <laughs> to do and. Uh, Mm-hmm. I'm going to give this a shot, and I'll take some pictures. But anyway, Roy, what have you been playing? So, let's see. I played this weekend, played a game of Scythe. It's been a while. Uh, been, it's been uh, a while for me, too. Yeah. We uh, I've been, we have this at the game library, so I went and picked it up. And um, this has uh, the Invaders from Afar, which has, oh, I don't know, is it the Polish and the Japanese are in there? Two? Mm, no, the poles are in the original. I think it's okay. uh, what are they called? Like uh, Avion or something like that, and the okay. Japanese. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I played the Saxony Empire, which is essentially the Germans. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've never won this game, but it's it's a fascinating game to play. Um, so yeah, Scythe. I played a game of that, and then uh, last week. Or a while back, I played a game of Cave Troll, which this is the game that uh, one of the games that Adam sent me, and so it is a uh, it's an area control game. So you play it has there's like 68 figures, and so in your team you have like a regular adventurer, 
you have a knight, but you also have a wraith and a cave troll and all these monsters also. <clears throat> so you draw a hand of cards, and if the cave troll card comes up, you can play the cave troll. If the adventure card comes up, you can play the adventure. So the adventurers come in on the staircases, and they move to various rooms throughout the dungeon. And then at some point, there's a scoring that's triggered based on the number of cards that gets played. And you, so you go through and you score every room. And whoever has majority at a room gets the amount of gold that's in that room. But when you also have the cave troll, you can also – you're going to spawn monsters also that you can move around the, the dungeon and maybe push other players out of the room um, and block it so that you can come in and, and collect the gold when the scoring round comes up. Um, but we played it once, and we're we're intrigued by it, so we need to give it another playthrough again. So that's Cave Troll, uh, and that's a fantasy flight game. I can't believe it comes with that many figures. Yeah, and they're pretty decent decent uh, figures too. Because the to me the I own a copy, of course I do, you know, <laughs> and I've uh, <laughs> uh-huh. uh, never played it, of course, you know how it goes. Uh, I just the box the box seems very small to have that many, mm-hmm. but you know. That's cool. Yeah, it does. So, like, uh, all the monsters spawn on the pits. And then, like I say, all the adventurers come in the staircases. Hmm. Okay. Um, so, it's cave troll. So, do you play, do you play the, the adventurers or do you play the monsters? You play a team of adventurers and monsters. Okay. So, but you're, only you're, you're, you're sick your monsters on the other player's adventurers, that kind of thing? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, but only your adventurers score. Your monsters okay. do not. Got it. And so then uh, this afternoon I played a game, a couple of games of Dominion, uh, which has been a while since we played this too. And we came upon a setup that got us like buku amounts of cash. And I don't know, you know, what the what the the synergy of the cards was, but um, we were just rolling in the dough. So we threw in the. Uh, the Platinums and the Colonies, and played through that. So we played a couple of games of Dominion. And uh, then we played Suburbia, which is a city planning game, I guess. So How'd you, you can... like this? I've seen this game so many times, I've always, always thought it looked interesting. How'd you like it? So we saw this uh, quite a few years ago at a convention library, and it was unpunched. So we punched it out, and we kind of fiddled our way through it. And we liked it enough that we decided, well, we need to maybe pick this up. So it's um, there's a lot of math involved in it. So the, the tiles are hex-based, and you start with a – oh, shoot. You start with a suburb. You start with a heavy factory and a community park. And the way that they go together – gives you a level of income and a level of reputation. So every turn, at the end of your turn, you're going to collect whatever income you have. And so, like, if you put down the freeway, that gives you a bump in income, but you take a hit in popularity if it's next to a residential area. So you got to kind of want to finagle it so that all of your your infrastructure tiles – are near other infrastructure tiles and all of your, um, you know, quality of life tiles like parks and um, housing developments and things are all kind of clustered together. 
And so it's it goes through three ages, and eventually at the end you're going to put down like the microchip manufacturing tile industry, which will give you a big bump in cash. Um, but there's there's um, there's some complexity there. It's it's uh, it's a rather complex game. Does so, each person build his own city, or yes. does everyone contribute to one? No, everybody builds their own city. Okay. So is yeah, it so, kind of like multiplayer solitaire then? Uh, so there are a few tiles that'll say, um, so for instance, like the new color, new car dealership. If you put the new car dealership, it gives you three dollars in income. But for every other car dealership on any board, the cost, or the price goes, it makes the price, it devalues your property when other people play the same sort of property. Okay. Um, so there's not a whole lot of uh, player-to-player interaction, but there's um, there's some. So, yeah, Suburbia. Hmm. And that's what I've been playing. What about you, Richard? You know, I don't think I have a single new game on this list that I have actually played in the last couple of weeks. And I think that might kind of be the theme of this year for me. I I said that I want to start playing more of the games that I have and playing games more times to to really get into them rather than playing a bunch of new games one time. So um, I did play Star Wars Legion a couple times with my daughter. She's back at school now, but we played via Tabletop Simulator. And we're really enjoying that. I mean, once you get the hang of the... Uh, you know, just how to move stuff around a tabletop simulator. It works really well. I will say that, I mean, one time we lost a connection to the server and the game was just over. You can't go back. There's no save state or anything like that. So you're just done in the middle of the game. One time tabletop simulator crashed, same thing. So it can be frustrating, but if you're playing just for the experience of playing, then you're like, okay, well, I guess we played two hours and we're done now. Mm-hmm. Yesterday we did get a full game in, and I think we're going to just keep playing about once a week. I finally found an army that I really like and that I own everything for, so I can play the exact same army on Tabletop Simulator that I'm playing when I take it out to the store and play. So having a good time with that, Star Wars Legion. I think I would like to try that at some point yeah. in the future with you uh i've never i own it but never have fired it up so yeah yeah when we used to play a few years ago we used to play x-wing on legion and it's the the scripting in the game that i mean tabletop simulator is just a physics engine but people write these scripts in games for it um is really good i mean the one that we had in x-wing would move the ships for you and detect collisions and all that the the one in legion it's got all the movement um templates on there and everything and uh it can move them full or you can do a partial move and it can sort of detect it can't detect like who is already activated but it can detect uh you know if, if i pull a trooper token it'll basically ask me which i can put it down next to a trooper and it'll activate the closest one or if i say no i want to activate this one instead it'll let me next through until i get to the one i want but Works really well. It's got a nice cleanup at the end of the round where it picks one suppression off of every one and cleans up all the green tokens and everything. It's it's really well written and one of the things that I like most about it is if I were if I were thinking about building a new army, this would be a great way to try it out. So I'm enjoying it. That and for and those then, of us that don't have regular opponents, it would be awesome. 
Yeah, absolutely. There's a I think on Discord or something, I think there is a tabletop simulator Star Wars Legion League of sorts. Um, no idea how many people are in it, how easy it is to game, get a game, whatever. Like I said, out of the three times that we've played it, twice it's crashed in the middle of it. So I'd be hesitant to play it competitively that way. But eh, maybe that's my computer and my connection. Maybe other people don't have that experience. I don't know. I heard you can actually flip the table too. You can. That's yeah. That's one of the most fun parts about losing it. And and my daughter and I usually. I mean, we. It's a joke between us. But usually, whoever has lost when when they concede the game, that's how they concede is by flipping the table. Hmm. And it's fun. The pieces go everywhere, and you're the whole table is kind of hovering just in the middle of space, so it literally just goes everywhere. It's fun. Hmm. Um, I've also started playing u.s civil war again i finished up my game a few weeks a couple weeks ago now i can't remember exactly when um and i think i talked about it on the show where i i enjoyed the game immensely. oh where'd you go and they really kind of left a sour taste in my mouth so i was deciding what i wanted to play next and i thought i really want to play u.s civil war next so i'm just playing it solitaire right now i've got it set up on my big table here uh and I'm going to play it at least once more, maybe twice more, just to see if. Uh, what do you think he's saying, Roy? To, to better understand how, how to beat those U.S. victory conditions. There are northern victory conditions, I should say. Um, the, the victory conditions in that game are interesting because. Hmm. Oh, man. Because of rabbits. Basically, the goal over the course of the game. So every turn you have to have more and more and more victory points. And if you, you know, lose points a certain turn, you're just going to get further and further behind. So again, I really like the game. I'm not sure about the VCs and maybe that's okay. Maybe that's a good enough game that you can just play it and sort of ignore the victory conditions and play it as an experience game. Uh, but we'll see. So I'm sorry. Could you go over the victory point condition things again? Yeah. So basically all of the major cities in the south um, are have like have two. what's called built no well yeah let me see I'm turning away from the mic here because I want to look at Mississippi well we have Jackson and Vicksburg be my guess uh, I guess there'd be Corinth. Columbia. So, yeah, you've got decent-sized cities. Basically, all those are assigned a certain number of build points. And at the beginning of the game, they all number up to 100, which is a nice even number. It is. Uh, Basically – He's talking too fast, and it's just – yeah. Yeah, Rich, you drop out. (laughs) Is it cutting out? (laughs) Yeah. That's why I asked you about the victory points thing again. Okay. It is weird. So you've got – Oh, man. spread across the south and the union has to basically just take those victory points is this better now can you yeah. guys hear me maybe yeah <laughs> okay oh, i love technology <laughs> um so you've got 100 victory points spread across the south and the union has to take those those victory points away over the course of the game and uh, the number that the union has to get to win keeps going up turn by turn by turn so not only do they have to take victory points, but they have to do it on a time schedule as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So when you uh, play, do you play every night? Uh, or most most nights? nights. Yeah. And, I, and then I how play, many turns do you get through in an evening? Um, 
I would say it, it really depends on the number of activations, but I can play a full turn of this game in less than an hour. So some days I play two turns, sometimes I play one. Um, mm-hmm. The turns are divided into phases, so sometimes I'll play you know a couple phases in the morning, a couple in the evening, something like that. Mm, okay. And then I've also been working my way through mm. Silver Bayonet. I'm still playing that one solitaire, but I'm going to play against an opponent next week. Um, that's uh, it's another GMT game. Uh, it's a Vietnam game about the the battles in the Yadrang Valley. Um, so I've been playing basically all the scenarios, all the basic game scenarios, solitaire so far. Um, I haven't played any campaign because I think that's going to be harder to play uh, as a as a solitaire game, although I could just figure out a way to make it work. But the, the campaign game actually has hidden movement rules for the, the NVA and the VC. So um, as, as the regular, the, the basic game, it's, it's really easy to play solitaire and it, it's fun. It's an interesting game. Um, I'm looking forward to playing it with another person next week. Okay. And still doing uh, doing planning for Red Storm. Uh, that's a game I've talked about quite a bit before. Um, right now I'm doing sort of the pregame planning. We're going to play in a couple weeks, and we're all doing this on Vassal online. But as I've said before with Red Storm, the, the pregame planning is is really a significant part of the game. Once you actually get together and, and move the counters around, you're just kind of playing out your plan. So we're doing our, our pregame planning now. We're playing scenario four, which is the first one that has bombers from most, both sides going across the border uh, at the same time. So that'll be interesting. Played some more advanced squad leader. Uh, got half a scenario in with a friend on Vassal, and we're going to finish that one up uh, hopefully soon. I don't know when. And then... On the uh, on the table, I've been playing a lot of Gloomhaven. I've got a group with a couple friends, and then my daughter and I are also playing. So, lots of Gloomhaven going on right now. Mm. And then the only new game, the game I haven't played yet. We were going to start last Thursday, but didn't get to it. Probably not going to make it this week either. But our regular Thursday group, our next game, we decided we're going to play Pericles, which is another GMT game. It's uh. Athenians versus the Spartans fighting in Greece. So looking forward to starting something new. All right. Hopefully you got at least 50% of that. I feel like we did. Yes. If not, yeah. I'll, I'll do my best Richard impression. <laughs> and be like, you know, barbecue's good in St. Louis and advanced squad leader. Yes. So. <laughs> Ah, moving on to what's on your radar, the first thing I have is the Rune Lords board game. And the main reason why I wanted to toss this on here is because I really like the books this board game is based on. And so I was definitely going to suggest, if you have not read the books, read the books. They're done by David Farland. And um, I thought it was a pretty kind of original idea. It came out, the first one was in 98, and basically what it is, is, um, now there's magic and bullshit and whatever in there, but for regular Joshmo humans to deal with all this stuff, what they do is they take from other humans through, it's this, this branding by runes. It's like, um, I take, like, Richard's intelligence from him 
through through this thing. It's this magical process, you know, and he just becomes like a blithering kind of idiot guy. And they brand me with the thing, and all of a sudden, I know how to play advanced squad leader. And my intelligence has doubled, you know. <laughs> it's, that's what it happens. Or I could take his strength... And uh, he becomes like a complete invalid, you know, can't even stand up, and I get like double the strength. So naturally, you know, your kings and stuff like that are just these like godlike people on uh, the battlefield because they have, you know, it's like people offer it like in exchange for you would come to your king and be like, well, you know, you can have you know, my intelligence, if you take care of my mom, you know, for, you know, in there. Because I only get to keep Richard's intelligence as long as he's alive. If someone, oh, if, okay. if Roy kills him, then all of a sudden I can't, I don't know how to play advanced squad leader anymore. So I thought that was like a really unique match. So this is the books though, right? Yes, this is the books. And, I have, and the game is based on the books. Yes, I'm assuming, okay. and making an ass of you and me, I'm assuming that that is a key point of how this game is played. And, um, yeah, I, so I would be very interested to see. However, like, that being said, I, like, take a look at this Kickstarter, and they want a hundred large right out the gate. They want a hundred large. And with 23 days to go, they've only raised, like, 13.4. So I'm kind of thinking yeah. that's not really good. Usually if you want six figures for a Kickstarter and you don't have it in the first week, you know, you're not right. going to do it. Not a good sign. So Now, uh, kind of going back to the, our discussion from the last show, but for uh, I, I don't know. If, if I look at this and I look, don't even start scrolling. Okay, they won $100,000. I see this as like some sort of Viking tactical game. The first thing I'm – asking is okay well where are the minis <laughs> mm -hmm. and there are no minis in this one they're using standees yeah so i yeah i don't really know what they need a hundred thousand for but you know of course you know going on last time is you know maybe they're just trying to make sure they have enough money to do everything it looks like yeah, this they... is mostly just you know kind of print stuff i will say you can buy this game um like the core game pledge on here is 70 and uh or if you want to do the brick and mortar thing is 50 i honestly would really like to know how many brick and mortar stores actually do kickstarter you know things like that if it's like maybe a kickstarter exclusive like it's never coming to retail then that would be a good idea but i do not believe a successful game will never come to retail if it's popular enough, I think it'll get there. So there's yeah. no real, really no incentive for uh, for it to you know get there. This basically seems kind of like a card game with the standees as just kind of you know movement. I may be able to like move around behind you or whatever, and you know get a bonus or something. But it still looks yeah. I mean the maps are basically hex. I mean they're hex maps. They've got you no. Know, they're obviously tactical, small scale, but they've got like a a village one and one in the woods, and so it's definitely a, a, some sort of tactical game. I'm just yeah. So and if I'm a good luck to them, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. If I'm a brick and mortar <laughs> retailer, yes, I pledge my fifty dollars, and I that gives me the privilege to order 
a minimum of four games, four copies, right? Right. So then I can then stock it in my uh, store for, and that's going to retail at maybe eighty bucks. Or no, yeah, I was can I would say higher than that. If the brick and mortar retailer is paying fifty plus shipping, they're gonna they're gonna want close to a hundred for it. Okay. Well, yeah, I don't know, man. It's and see, that's I I don't. Yeah, I just I don't understand that high of a price point with what I'm seeing here. You know, it, it appears to just be printed level stuff. I I don't get it. I mean, but yeah. yeah, maybe there's something there I'm not seeing. Maybe I don't quite notice that the things that hold the standees are made out of solid gold. I don't know. Um, so, yeah. Anyway. You heard it first. Yeah. Order a bunch of copies and just melt down the standees. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Prepare yourself for the So season. Adam's advice is to read the books. Yes, yes. All that to say, read the books. I'll have it linked in the show notes. It's The Rune Lords by, what's his name there? Is David... Something. I'm sorry. I was actually uh, looking because uh, I wanted to check on a thing. They actually were going to do uh, a video game based on this series of books for the Game Boy of all things, and I wanted to see whatever happened to that. And apparently, it got canceled. Anyway, so this is the Rune Lords by David Farland. So I just thought it was neat. So anyway, so moving on to Altered Carbon. The RPG is up on Kickstarter, and I think we've mentioned that before that it was yeah. coming because that's the one that uh, I talked about. Like it was a you know a really cool uh, sci-fi uh, series. It was a Netflix. So you do original. like this show? Yeah, I dug it. Remember we talked about it? Like it was. Yeah, I know we've talked about it. I haven't seen this show, so. It's, well, what I said I think last time was it was surprising. It was surprising. It was violent and had a surprisingly amount, a, a surprising amount of full frontal nudity in it. <laughs> and that really kind of like took took me by surprise. I was not expecting that, and it was just like, you know, there everywhere. So, and uh, now looking at theirs, they wanted a measly twenty thousand dollars. They're up to $193,000, and they have 23 days to go. So, you know, if they had swapped theirs, they both would have been sitting good. Actually, no, Ultra Carbon wouldn't make it, because it'd be 7000 short. But, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I will say there's there's been a touch of controversy, or a lot of controversy, with this. Apparently, uh, the author of the books has been accused of being transphobic. Or, or something, you know, so, you know, people have talked about that to try and, you know, it's it's cancel culture, I guess is what they call it, what the, mm-hmm. the kids are saying, and uh, obviously that hasn't. So is the accusation that the show and or the books are transphobic or just that the author the is author. and it the author. and it doesn't even show up in the show or books? Right. As, as far as okay. I know. Ladies and gentlemen, have you heard of Orson Scott Card? <laughs> yeah. yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think <laughs> I've heard of him. <laughs> Look, that was like really, really weird um, to to like learn. You know, a guy that you grew up like really liking his books and stuff like that. And um, was it that he has a problem with gay people, or was he? Ha- did he have a problem with gay people getting married? I can't remember. Well, first was of it- all, I think that he's Mormon. 
Yes. So, I mean, he is all Mormon, the things yeah. that go with being Mormon, I think, are kind of wrapped up in that, too. Well, I mean, you know, uh, Tracy Hickman is, too, but, he, you know, he's not a dick about it. You know? <laughs> oh, well. Okay, there's your episode title. Yeah. <laughs> he's a Mormon, but he's not a dick about it. So, um, uh, so, but, yeah, yeah, uh, I just remember people talking about, yeah, or- Orson Scott Card being really, really vocal. It seems like it, it was around the time that uh, gay marriage got legalized at the federal level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, think... this is a while ago. I haven't yeah, heard Orson Scott Card's name in a while. Look, well, okay, Richard, but that was a long time ago. <laughs> look, 2000, Although, I... 2000 was 20 years ago. I got to say, was... Mitt Romney is a Mormon, too, and he turned out to be kind of cool. I don't know. No. Without, without, without getting into politics, I, I, that whole thing just <laughs> so, seemed okay. very suspect. Have you guys seen the new Netflix show, Messiah? No. No. Okay, the president in there is a Mormon. And he looks a lot like Mitt Romney. It's kind of funny. <laughs> Look, that whole election was a pretty wild ride. It really, really was. Because, I mean, all that stuff came out about, like, you know, uh, there was some Mormon um, uh, I, was it prophecy or something. And, like, he was going to be the guy and, you know, and what that meant. And I don't know. It, it was just got really, really weird. And then you had people arguing that, like, well... He didn't do well be among evangelicals because, you know, it's that whole uh, true Christian thing. You know, yeah. it's like they, we don't believe that they're real Christians. And I don't know. It was a really, really weird thing around that time. But, yeah. It's an odd thing for a Wargaming uh, podcast to talk about, right? Yeah, we were talking about Altered Carbon, yeah. and then I derailed us. <laughs> no, I mean, it just, it just <laughs> is, but, you know. You won't hear that on History on the Tabletop. I'm not talking about, you know, Mormons. No, you won't. No, <laughs> Although they did pass through Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, I assume the uh, RPG is going to be... You know, honestly, I should talk about that just a little bit, just in case you haven't figured it out, what Alter Carbon is. In that thing uh, is where human um, consciousness can be uploaded... So you're effectively immortal. So you can download your consciousness into a new body, what they call sleeves. It can be, it can like, it can look like you're supposed to, or you can look like Richard, it can look like Roy, or your idolized version of yourself, or or whatever. So it's a horror. Or you could go, you know, you could change your gender, whatever you want to do, you could do that through, that's that's kind of like the the gist of the, the technology in there, so... And uh, that's kind of like a key thing in the uh, the TV series, which I don't know where that is in the book or, or how it fits in. But it's a guy who was um, – he was some kind of uh, terrorist or something, freedom fighter, that they, they captured him and they kept his consciousness. And they dug him out in order to try to solve this crime. Because people are going around, and it's called uh, true death is when people are not just killing your body. They're smashing the little uh, memory core thing that you have. That way you don't get uploaded. That way you're dead. Unless you're really rich and have a backup. So it's a whole thing. But <laughs> and This one will probably be really big. I know, uh, what is it, Cyberpunk Red is the other one that's um, coming out. Mm-hmm. I think we get that in 2020. 
Is that uh, Cyberpunk 2077, I thought it was? Yeah. Oh, I'm just saying it comes out in 2020. Uh, sorry. It comes from, doesn't it come from CD Projekt Red? Yeah. That's yeah. that's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, the, the GM screen on this thing is pretty cool looking. Oh, is that what the little Hello Unicorn? Is that... Well, no. no. Well, nope. The Hello Unicorn is a carrying case for. I guess that it carries your oh, alumi- of course. your aluminum 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 dice. How very British of you! Yeah. Oh yeah, the cortical <laughs> stack. That's the little thing that you can upload your conscious to. You can get a reproduction of that. But oh wow, that song, is a cool. The Songspire GM screen handcrafted wooden with magnetized accessories but magnets are only for metal they're not for wood anyway maybe you've got the wrong kind of magnets okay yeah, sure, I do. magnets how do they work i will say remember we talk about like crazy pledge levels and we would love to talk to the people that do it okay. <laughs> this one has one this is a five thousand dollar pledge level the needle cast bundle and it it had five it has five potential backers here. Two people have backed this. And uh, let's see, you uh, are flown to L.A. for a personal photo shoot to, per- to portray a canonical character featured in our next supplement. We'll incorporate the best photo into an original piece of artwork, which authentically places you in the world of altered common, altered carbon. Best of all, if we reach the live play stretch goal, we'll invite you out for our production of the live play and offer a unique opportunity to play alongside our cast of characters. Characters and appearances are subject to approval by Skynet and Hunters. So, there you go. Oh, it does say shipping isn't included. Come on, guys. If I'm shelling <laughs> out five grand, you can throw my, te- uh, my temporary tattoo in an envelope for me. Come on. You could, I mean, come on. First of all, I'm flying out to L.A. Can't you just hand me this stuff? Do you have to ship it to me? <laughs> it's five grand. Anyway, so two people have gotten that. And if you're listening, I'm sure you are. I'd love to talk to you. Like, so you get the Ouroboros temporary tattoo. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking it ought to be like a permanent tattoo. Yeah, that is true. You should commit. Yes. You should absolutely commit. But maybe they're scared, like, somebody who would spend that. They're like, wow, oh, boy, this looks great. <gasps> Ooh, no, I don't want a tattoo, so I'm not going to spend that. I'll just spend I, this 5000 on something else. Ooh, I, I want you to tattoo it here. I hear that new uh, that Chance of Gaming podcast has got to go fund me. That's where my five grand will go. So, so they can go to Gen Con. Well, at least Adam, anyway. <laughs> yeah, five grand, I'd have a really nice Gen Con thing so you guys need to come up with your own five grand and then that way we would have a really really good gift. anyway so sorry uh, hmm, a temporary tattoo i have an actual uh real tattoo of an obor o- oroboros oroboros everyone you want to say yeah. mm-hmm. i just hate to have right. the, the sporadic arm here around it that makes it look less cool but anyway so that being said, um, and I, oh yeah, I'm assuming that you're, you know, if you do this thing where you fly out there for five grand, you have to keep your clothing on because this is the print version, not the TV show. So there you go. But I mean, I could be wrong. Who knows? 
So moving on. I somehow missed that this was a thing, and that is Lost World Exodus. Uh, Wild West Exodus has been a really interesting game. I, in fact, I first saw it when I was at Gen Con all those hundred years ago when they added aliens into the mix. And this is, you know, it started out as kind of a steampunk Wild West type game. Don't really care about that. I not really weird west kind of person but with this one they're actually going into the law into the interior of antarctica so you're going to have like different powers and i forgot war cradle studios the company that owns wild west exodus bought up dystopian wars so it's just going to kind of roll all that in together so i mean i'll have this posted in the show notes all it is is a link they have one figure available for it and we've talked about this figure before it's the um the here we go yeah the the chick on the motorcycle that looks like the uh the polish lancers i'm sorry what's your name i don't even see it on there oh (laughs) jadzia kazieskos it's pretty good well i'll I'll take it kazieskos is a city in mississippi uh that looks close to spelling and jadzia from um uh, Deep Space Wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, as you say, the symbiont. Yeah, the trill. Yeah, it's uh-huh. yeah, it is a symbiont. Yeah, I had to think. I'm like, no, it's not a parasite. Yeah, it's, you got watching uh, Picard, Mister Pickett. No, I you know I watched part of the first episode. Okay. I haven't I seen have any of it. Not seen any more of it. Just, I don't know. I'm eh. I'm a bad fan, I guess. Well, I mean, at least you're not angry about it like so many people are. And it's so weird that I actually encounter those people because I just thought, like, everybody was cool with Star Trek, you know, and whatnot. But now I'm thinking, no, the writing's bad. The main thing is uh, they seem to have is they don't like the way the Federation is portrayed as, you know, kind of... uh, in Kirk's time and Picard's time or whatever, it was supposed to be kind of a utopia. But mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, man, if you actually watch the, uh, if you watch the next generation and for the love of God, if you watch deep space nine, it is not a utopia. It's, it's a normal bureaucracy with all the normal problems that they have. It's, it's not fun and games. Bad stuff is happening. And so they don't like that the way it's portrayed in card, but eh, I don't know. Anyway, what is this Frosthaven Kickstarter? Yeah, I don't, we've talked about this a little bit on the show before. Frost. He dropped and a Kickstarter and this is somewhat old. I'm doing it again, aren't yeah. I? Yeah. Yeah. So Frosthaven, they've announced the date for their Kickstarter. It's going to start March 24th. So, uh, I don't think we've mentioned that on this show before. Yeah, I I don't know. I'd be very curious to see. You think it'll come with miniatures? Yes, I think it will. <laughs> I think it's going to look a lot like Gloomhaven, but um, I mean, there are. I'm sure they're going to make some some changes to it. There's there's some improvements people have talked to that are you know kind of uh, low hanging fruit that they can make over the original Gloomhaven. But I think I mean, why mess with success? It's going to be Gloomhaven too. I think it'll do well. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll definitely kickstart it. 
mm-hmm. just to make sure that I can get it instead of having to wait. You know, I didn't kickstart Gloomhaven, and I was a couple years late in getting it, which is fine because you know it's still just as good two years later. But this one I want to jump on, especially now that my daughter and I are playing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe I'll I, maybe I'll actually play Gloomhaven. I don't know. Get around. It's a good game. Yeah. Good You've game. Never played it. No, I guess I'll get the I'll buy the electronic version and probably never play that. Um, I can't look. I can't tell you how many times I've started the tutorial on uh, Scythe, and just I, I just need to do it. Damn it, I'm terrible. It's a stupid attention deficit disorder. Whatever. Anyway, um, on actual news, um, and the first thing we had, uh, I had to jump to like a dozen different places to confirm this, and um, yeah, it. It is confirmed. Oh no! Neil from the War Store has passed away suddenly uh, a couple of days ago. He was 50, 50 or fifty-five. 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 Yeah. Man, and I, I, which I mean, people started talking, of course, um, wondering if that's kind of like the reason why he um, shut down his uh, uh, the store. But no, come to find out, the Behind that, he was involved with something through his church where uh, they help convicted felons or whatever get back on their feet, and they ended up uh, taking advantage of him, and there was some financial shenanigans going on, and so that's why he had to fold up the war store. I gotta say, the whole thing is kind of weird, because um, in Googling around it apparently the rest of the world knows neil from catapano farms and they like raise strawberries and stuff i had no idea that Mm. anyway so yeah man golly i i mean i can't tell you how many times i've talked to him on the phone and i feel really bad now that uh i never got around to interviewing him you know, I wanted to talk to him about his time at the war store and, you know, and all this stuff. Shit. It's, mm-hmm. it's weird. We, you know, you're not promised a single day <laughs> after, yeah, this one. Anyway. Moving on. Um, for Aeronautical Imperialis is bringing the Tau into uh, the game. And I really like this. And in fact, my uh, game, my copy... My starter copy of this game is at the Assembler at the moment, and then his dog ate two of my ships, and so he had to order me two more <laughs> before it'll be ready. And, uh, yeah. And uh, I, I'd much rather play the Tau, because I play those in 40K, but still, let me pick up the book and see. Ah, I mean, that's kind of my problem, is I just get too many factions, and I never concentrate on anything, and... So how is this game doing? Do we know? I don't know. And see, I was talking to some guys in the shop the other day. Um, I mean, just with stupid GW's release schedule, they're just cranking out stuff. The one thing is, is they're not kind of uh, just abandoning games. They are consistently putting stuff out for everything they've done. But the problem is, is the market system is just so damn saturated with their stuff. Mm-hmm. I just at my local store. I mean, okay, you have guys that are playing 40k and Age of Sigmar. 
So I want someone to play Necromunda with me. There's another guy that wants somebody to play Warcry. And there's still another guy that wants somebody to play um, the, uh, the, the the smaller 40k, I had to look over to the left, Kill Team. Um, and not to mention this game is mm-hmm. out. And not to mention the Titan game is out. Not to mention, you know, they still do the Lord of the Rings stuff. It's It's insane. You can't you know, you can't grow an audience for this stuff uh, because there's too much of your other stuff. I don't know what's going on with them. They release more stuff in a year than they used to release in a decade. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I don't know if they're just trying to, to make money or to meet, like, uh, quarterly goals. I, I don't know. But, it's mm. but yeah, it's a, an incredibly overcrowded market with their stuff. Yeah. But... At least uh, there's one other guy, one of the Legion players, he saw me pick up the box, and he's like, please, as soon as you get that put together, bring it here, and let's sit down and play it. And I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of what I want to hear, is at least mm-hmm. I just need one other crazy person that's like, hey, I'll play that. And <laughs> and I finally found a couple of people interested in Armada, and I have to say, it's like, no, 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 I don't need you to buy into this game. I just, I have it all. I just need an opponent. If you want to play it... I'll bring my stuff and we'll play. You don't need to buy anything. You know? Mm-hmm. So, anyway. So, the next so, thing... Yes, go ahead. Uh, oh, I just... I was going to comment on the cover art. I like the... Uh, it looks like a flying railgun. It oh, reminds yeah, me yeah. a little bit of the <laughs> A-10 Warthog. The Tau are known for their railgun technology. So, yeah. that's that's their thing. Um, they also had the, like, the most futuristic mech-looking... You know stuff. They're they're an alien With race. The storm that, surge. Yeah. Okay. They're, they're an alien race that um that looks all their stuff is futuristic and new looking. It's not like the rest of 40k that's grim dark. You know mm-hmm. where it looks like you know somebody put a castle on a tank tread and put a bolt gun on it or whatever. You know that kind of crazy stuff and put like a bunch of weeping effigies on it. No, no, no. Their stuff just looks bright and shiny and futuristic and new. Something like, you'd see like in anime. Like Gundam. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And so, anyway. So the next thing we had was a little Twitter thing going on that I had no idea that this was a thing. Evil Hat Productions, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Fate system. The Fate oh, yeah. playing system. I. I hadn't heard of this Fate of Cthulhu before, though. This is new for them, and it's it's part of the Fate system. And apparently they're getting a lot of pushback from people because they are apparently in in, either in um, the actual book itself or in the production of the book. They They are quoted as saying they call out H.P. Lovecraft craft for the racist and anti-semite he was so and i mean didn't he live in like the 20s yes wouldn't you be surprised if anyone from the 20s wasn't a racist and anti-semite <laughs> i think so yeah i mean because uh even uh was edgar Allan poe you know all yeah you know, all this kind of stuff i mean yes they're doing terrible stuff but saying horrible things and um yeah just believing conspiracy theories about um you know jews and and whatnot and so yeah it's it's a thing 
and to not call it out just seems kind of ridiculous. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's, I mean, I, yeah. I get it. It's I like, mean, I guess it really depends on what they said about it. I, I don't know. I haven't read the book. I mean, I mean the, like I said, I, this fate of Cthulhu, I hadn't heard about it until today, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess if they're trying to use Cthulhu, I don't know, Cthulhu mythos, it's, it's not like it's a, it's a new thing. Everyone's doing Cthulhu. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I guess I'd have to read exactly what they said to even know yeah. whether I should care about it or not. Right. It's like I don't <laughs> I don't quite know the context that they did it. Anyway, people were mad. Let's just say that folks mad. Oh yeah. You know, like like people mad too. on Twitter. That's yeah, so mad weird. on Twitter. Uh, they were mad about it. So. You know. <laughs> so, you my read on this is that Evil Hat is anti-racism and anti-Semitism. Right. Yeah, it seems that way. Yeah, and people okay. are upset about that. <laughs> I, I okay. guess so. I don't know. It's, well. You you get so much into that, like uh, like uh, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to, I don't want this these social justice warriors and blah blah blah, and you know, I'm tired of woke culture. It ruins Star Wars or whatever, you know. And, yeah. Yeah, but it, it's really. I mean, if so, Evil Hat as a company. You know, they they don't want to trash their own reputation. But if what they're doing is saying, you know, we're using Cthulhu mythology and stories, but it doesn't mean we agree with the author, then okay, that sounds like a pretty good stance thing to, to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you know, I mean, a lot of like, uh, okay, you know, those like really racist. Um, Tom and Jerry cartoons and stuff. <laughs> oh yeah. From back in then, I know they are being remade. You know, you can still get them, you can still stream them, but now they just come with a disclaimer. And usually, the, and I'll try to post this in the show notes. Uh, I think it's Warner Brothers or whoever has it says like, look, these were made by you know ignorant people, and the times were different, and and blah blah blah. And to censor this or is to deny that kind of stuff didn't exist so here it is it's presented in its uncensored form you know and so i you know i agree with that you know you shouldn't just bury it it because it does it it pretends it doesn't exist but it did exist and yeah so you just you put a sign up in context that's kind of like a big thing now um in mississippi where we have issues with I mean, if you guys think you guys have Confederate statues, you ain't seen nothing to you come down here. <laughs> and one of the main We just things, had the flags. Yeah. In Michigan, of all places. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, one of the biggest things now is at Ole Miss, the University of Mississippi, which predates the Civil War. And, you know, it, it has actually has a lot of historic buildings and stuff on campus that were used during the civil war famously the entire student body and the professors all joined the confederacy i'm, I'm sorry all joined the army of the confederacy and uh most of them were killed at uh gettysburg in pickett's charge but there's a ton there's a big statue there as you come in and there's a bunch of other stuff, but there's actually signs, uh, historic signs that tell you like what this building was and all this. But there's a big movement now to, if they choose to keep the statues or whatever, they'll put up signs next to it giving the context of it. 
like you know this is where it is and what it's from and you know and, and why um i mean the main issues we have down here with it and the pushback with like changing our flag and the statues and stuff like that is the myth of the lost cause it's an utter cancer down here it's essentially you know your grandfather told your father who then told you that you know what it was really like it wasn't about slavery it was about this that and the other but what you're glossing over was like you forget your grandfather was super racist and right. you know mm -hmm. your dad probably was a little racist if not a lot of racist and we gloss over those parts you know when we when people absolutely yeah and that the criticism against the people that want to remove those statues as they say well this is revisionist history but it's also a revisionist history to say that the civil war is not about racism or slavery because you can read the words of the 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 people the politicians alive at the time they were you know arguing whether the south should secede or not and it was absolutely about slavery in at mississippi it is in the articles of succession yeah, yeah. it's like literally like the third sentence you know, yeah. it's like this is why we're doing it, and so uh, yeah, it's it's man, it's 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 a whole thing down here, and it, yeah. I find it so strange, you know, because I it's people I know that should be better educated or are educated that I'm like you know should know better. I mean, generally, if you hit college and take an actual, you know, <laughs> history class, you kind of learn these things. Like, learn what it is and whatnot. But the problem is, is like, it's like, oh, I don't want to, you know, my grand, I can't think my grandfather was wrong or my dad was wrong. And I'm like, well, why not? <laughs> you know, it, it happens. <laughs> they're, I mean, they're people. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. Anyway, so that's just far and far, way far from Evil Hat and, um, Mr. Lovecraft there. But yeah, it's just all on to Steve Jackson games. Their report for the stakeholders for 2019. Um, I like the high points. Almost half a million dollars for the fantasy trip. I mean, just built on pure nostalgia alone. There it was, and they're still making cash on Munchkin. You know, even though the yeah, I I don't I that yeah, I'm just continue to be surprised yeah. that people still play it. But you look I'm, at their top 40 products, and uh, Munchkin are the top the first three. Yeah. And like eight out of the first 12 or something. There's a Car Wars 6th edition. You know, it's a million bucks. And, uh, yeah. And um, let's see. The ones that didn't quite get uh, do so well was the Pocket Box Project, Dungeon Fantasy, Magic Items 2. Oh, yeah. And Munchkin Pathfinder 3 was a failure because they didn't get their fulfillment from Hong Kong. I mean, I don't know. It's it's kind of a thing. It's in reading this, and I'll have it in the show notes. Is nothing I didn't expect. It's like they apparently have gotten Kickstarters down to a science. You know, they know exactly you know how much to ask for, and they're getting it all. And so, you know, they're I mean they're delivering on their stuff. So I mean that's one thing, you know. And I guess yeah, I guess it'd be a lot different if it was. You know, they were getting a million dollars and just never delivering it, but, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Munchkin is big, big dollars for them. Looking at their top 40 products by uh, dollar volume. 
Ogre Battle Box is way on, like, number 40. The thing that launched the whole Kickstarter thing, you know. Uh, I was looking at my 6th edition of It the other day. I need to get that out and play it. Or just better than that, probably just play the um, the PC version, which is available on Steam that I own and never play. So Is the is the Ogre Battle Box, is that the big huge one? Uh, well, that particular one was just kind of uh, miniature upgrades. Okay. Um, reinforcements or whatever, you know, but that, uh, no, I, I think what I was talking about is 6th edition. Oh, okay. So, uh, anyway. So, moving on. Morkborg is coming out the 25th. Who's excited? I know I am. Mork, mork, mork. Uh-huh. I think, you should, yeah, you should have to do a thing in, in, um, in actual... I gotta send Disney a nickel now. Yeah. You have to do it in character or whatever. I mean, that... <laughs> See, uh, somebody, oh yeah, there's a couple of things I forgot to mention. Um, one, somebody asked me about Patreon today, and we still need to do our less, you know, uh, what's it called? It's not less play. That's that's the streaming thing. It's uh, actual play. Oh, actual play. Yeah, we should do that. Yeah, we make all these plans, and then yeah, that's like harkening uh, back to uh, a big throwback to um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. The best laid plans of mice and mice. So, <laughs> anyway. Uh, but, yeah, it's, there's that. And I'm actually trying to get one of those off at work as well. And, which, I work for a PBS affiliate, so that's really difficult to do. Uh, the main to, thing is, to get... like, we have all these hoops we have to jump through. Like, we can't straight up say, hey, this is a good product. Um, we just have mm -hmm. to say, we can't say Dungeons and Dragons is good. We can barely say we are playing Dungeons and Dragons. And if, say, w Wizards of the Coast, say, was an underwriter on the show, we can't play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's weird. It's all these little bitty rules that you, all these hoops that you have to jump through. And, um, yeah, and I'm actually, I'm having to, like, take, like, phone calls with PBS Digital, uh, you know, about, like, um, can I do this? Can I, can I do that? No. Well, I'm like, well, how can I make this happen if I, you know, what, how can I do it? Okay, try doing it this way. And, um, so, yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. And I really hope to get it together, because we talked about doing it at work. I work with, like, one voice actress, um, and, uh, uh, like another guy that does improv and there's a local GM, a friend of mine that I really like, I'd like to bring him in. And then like his wife is a voice actress. So it'd be nice to kind of get this together. But my thing is, um, I, I don't, I need to watch a let's play, I suppose, before I try to produce one. I mean, my thing is, is like, I don't know how many people to do uh you know how many is too many and whatnot my main thing is is i want to do like a pilot i think do like a three hour one shot and then try to shop that around for underwriting and um, i think that uh harman quest is a good place to start with kind of doing your research 
Uh, yeah, I think uh, Richard suggested uh, on Twitter. Gosh, what was the one with uh, Patrick Rofus and the guys? Oh, with, uh, Acquisitions Incorporated. Yeah, the guys mm-hmm. with Penny, mm-hmm. uh, Penny Arcade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. see that one seems really cool because it's like uh, they are just um, uh, you know they're just sitting around a table. You know, okay. yeah. There's yeah. like one guy has like a map and some miniatures in front of. Him. And it's all these shots of, you know, just them sitting around. It's, I mean, my my main idea for it was, you know, it's like, I really would like to do one of these, like, for my birthday or whatever. And I started thinking about, like, equipment and whatnot I'd have to do. And then I started thinking, like, at work, all this stuff we have, like, we could do this so freaking well to do mm-hmm. something like this. It would be, you know, so easy. I mean, we we have many many cameras you know we have a huge switcher everybody has a wireless microphone ifbs whatever we could do all these really cool stuff we could do it really nice and um so yeah i'd I'd really want to produce it if it happens the main thing is number one the legal hurdles that to do it and then past that uh is actually convincing the people above me to let us do, you know, a three-hour pilot and shop it around, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know. it's, I mean, you know, sometimes a lot of people are like, um, you know, the internet, is that still around? <laughs> and, um, so, yeah, anyway, so, moving on to, where are we? I got lost. Oh, Let's yeah. see. Star uh, Wars miniatures. Yes, the Star Wars miniatures released from Fantasy Flight. And Dadgummit, did I not make this a link? I didn't. I don't. I didn't. You can't click on it. What do I do? This is terrible. How are we gonna do this? Let's um, see. I'm we're gonna trying stall. to remember what. So I cut and paste and go over here. Click on this and yeah, that is February third. So that is the correct one. And then I come back over here and I'm like, bam, there it is. So, oh, all right. There was some really neat stuff um, in here. I was curious to see if you guys are gonna add them to your Legion uh, games. I mean, the Crash Escape Pod's neat. Um, I do want the Rebel upgrades because um, they have a couple of the more weirder looking aliens in that. I don't get what the B one battle droids are because I haven't like looked really hard into um, my droids yet. I think they're just more droids, just like you can buy more troopers or more stormtroopers or whatever. They may. That's be, what I thought. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're generic though. I think they actually do something, and I can't remember oh, okay. what. But they do have uh, Vader and Lucas operatives. What, what are the, what are operatives versus leaders? So an operative uh, cannot, cannot uh, use his courage for other troopers so like if a trooper has a bunch of suppression on him he can use his commander's courage but he cannot use an operative's courage also operatives usually don't give at least as far as i've seen don't give orders to troopers they only give orders to themselves Hmm. so they're basically just like these dudes that just kind of just run around and tear stuff up Mm -hmm. i'm assuming very powerful so with uh, the Luke operative, now you can have the, the Fab Four together. So you can have 
Your leaders are Han and Leia, and your operatives are Chewie and Luke. So you could have all four named characters on the board at the same time. It'd be nice. very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, sure we've covered the Armada releases. Um, now the X-wing releases. The Houndstooth is coming out for 2.0. This is Boss's ship. He was like my favorite uh, Star Wars toy as a kid. So I'll get this, mm-hmm. and this will be the first time I have uh, done Scum and Villainy. So I don't know where I will go after that, but I guess I'll look around and see what I can do, you know, to, to try and do. I did pick up Hot Shots and Aces, which is already out. Um, I, of course, I don't know enough about the game to go like, yeah, all right, I got this dude. He's awesome. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm certainly trying. Anything, I, I, all the guys in my local meta just complain about Tauntauns 24-7. Dude. I love them. Yes, if that's you're re- that's if, my yeah. list. I've got I've got Leia, Chewbacca, six full sets of troopers, and two Tauntauns, and it's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I I always thought the uh, the Dubaks were cool. Or, so I haven't know. played against them yet. What's the, so what's the uh, what's the draw with the Tauntauns? So they get lots of free actions. Um, every time they move, they get a dodge token, and every time they and when they move, they can also do a free attack as well. So you oh, can so move can them charge? twice, get a couple dodge tokens. Yes, if you charge into melee, then they also get impact. Um, mm-hmm. But you can move twice, get two dodge tokens, and then get an attack as well. So oh. lots of actions. Mm-hmm. But okay. they're kind of fragile. Um, you know, four health each two units so um if you leave them out in the open they're definitely going to get focus fired on so you got to kind of time it correctly mm-hmm. all did right they, did they also smell bad on the inside i haven't opened mine up yet okay Just curious ah <laughs> uh, moving on to um soldier helps pave the way in army's first tabletop war game team this is an odd story. It really is. They they were there at the, the <laughs> Las Vegas Open. I'm just curious as to like how. I mean, I know they they're doing esports because that's kind of a thing, and this is a branch of that. They ended up playing 40k at the uh, the Las Vegas uh, Open on the uh, the 24th of last month, the largest Warhammer tournament in the world. So I guess I'm not surprised uh i have known a ton 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 of people that are ex-military that play 40k played 40k the whole time they were um in the military and continue to play it and one of the main reasons why was they liked a tabletop game and they said it did not matter where they were posted they would be able to find a game locally so I, I don't know. So I would I would say um, uh, it definitely uh, 40K has a very big kind of military connection to it. And uh, guys seem to like it and enjoy playing. So but so I'm really not surprised. I guess I'm surprised it just took this long for, you know, them to get an official team. So anyway. Hmm. I guess it's a recruiting tool for the army. I just don't know how it benefits the army to have guys playing 40k. I don't know. Maybe you go up there and you're like, and they're like, you know, hey man, you want to do this for real? Well, so is there any 
uh, there's you know the the lessons you learn playing tabletop war games. I think you could pour it over to a real world military situation. To some degree, that's true. You know, there's um, a sure. there's yeah. the, uh, the 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 fetid bloat drone is coming over the ridge there, <laughs> so we're gonna focus the the uh, the howitzer fire there. I think the first thing you would learn as a, a soldier new in the army is, is like, wow, all these guns have much longer ranges than all the 40K ones do. That is so <laughs> neat. You're telling me I could shoot someone a mile away? And what do you mean there's no emphasis on close combat? Yeah, so, yeah, that'd be a big thing. But, yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, honestly, the government, especially with recruiting and stuff like that, kind of, gloms on to whatever's popular yeah um so i mean they have they have military hockey teams and baseball yeah. teams it's i assume and all that's like, too what are the kids i just doing? that just just really seems weird to me to have a army 40k team hmm. uh yeah it's uh, i don't know is if they have an esports team i'm not surprised i'm i mean i don't think it actually nobody's gonna play it and go like wow i should totally join the army but <laughs> I don't think they will. I think they, you know, it's just kind of just advertising. Like, huh, oh, yeah, I forgot I was going to join the Army. Now now that I saw that shirt, I'm going to go do it. I don't know. Anyway, so the last thing we had, I just tossed on there because I got a chance to read this today. It came out um, a couple days ago. Uh, Privateer Press, who I continue to be surprised is still in business. Um, I mean, just anecdotally, I can't find anybody... You know, that stocks the game, that plays the game. And not just in Mississippi, just all these other places. I see people online talking about it. You know, my local store clearanced out all their stuff. You know, nobody plays around here. Anyway, one thing that I had mentioned many episodes ago was they are getting into uh, science fiction tabletop gaming. It's coming, and they actually mentioned it in this update. And it's called Warcaster. But that's going to be another update later on. Uh, you know, honestly, if it's going to happen this year, it'll be Gen Con. They'll premiere it at Gen mm-hmm. Con. They usually have a really big presence at Gen Con. And, um, yeah, so there you go. In fact, oh, yeah, I said, of course, organized play at your local store isn't the only type of big events you can play in. We'll be attending Adepticon, Gen Con, and more other conventions throughout the year. Not to mention our own show, Lock and Load. I forgot they could do Lock and Load, but I think you, they have a much bigger audience at Gen Con. But anyway, that's just me. So there you go. That's the end of the show. I think the only other uh, thing I forgot to say was um, in cleaning out my dad's house. If you are a parent or planning or become one just in the future, whether you plan on it or not, don't store up a whole bunch of collectibles because you think they're going to be worth money. After you're gone, <laughs> your children have to... I mean, they're not worth what anywhere near what you thought they would be, but there is a value on them, so it makes it really difficult just to toss them in the trash. So mm-hmm. just, just don't do it. In fact, right now, go get rid of all your Funko Pops right now. They're going to be worthless. <laughs> your kids don't want them. They're, I mean, they're beanie babies. I say, what about my beanie babies? I don't know. You could keep my uh, garbage pail kid cards. 
I think you could get a little bit for that. I, it, the weird thing is, it's like I, I thoroughly am enjoying finding dumb stuff I used to collect of like uh, non sports cards were really big in the 90s. Like uh, X Men, Valiant, and uh, you know all these comic book related stuff did them. And in fact, I found a whole unopened box of the Return of Superman trading cards. Let's live Google that real quick. Return of Superman trading cards, because the death of Superman was crazy when that happened, and. So everybody missed it. You know, everybody that wasn't collecting comics, that wasn't subscribing to Superman, missed the death of Superman. They just read about it on the news. So they immediately, like, run out to their um, their local store, and, of course, they can't buy it. You know, it's sold out. Superman 75, all the, the black, you know, Mylar and all this stuff, it's, it's all sold out. Can't get it. So naturally... The Return of Superman became like the biggest selling, you know, comic of all time, you know, or, you know, just of then, because it went into like 80 freaking reprints, because everybody wanted a copy because they thought it was going to be worth money. And mm -hmm. guess what? It, it wasn't. So right now, this 1993 box, Skybox Return of Superman trading cards box, you can buy on eBay for $21.95 uh, plus $10 shipping. Which I think is a little high. I think I'd toss that in a padded envelope and call it media mail if you were buying it from me. Which you may later. I don't know. Let's see. Of course, the best way to judge how much something is is to click on... You heard it her first, kids. Click on sold items. Looks like it goes for about 20 bucks plus $4 shipping. So about $25. So there you go. Although somebody bought it three box, sold three boxes for 40 I don't know. There you go. It's just not worth anything. That's just my dumb stuff, but yeah, my parents left with a lot of dumb stuff that, yeah, I'm going to have to have a yard sale or whatever. And see, like, I'm the only kid that's here, and I, it's still two hours away from me, my brother's in Orlando, so, mm -hmm. yeah, eh, it sucks. Anyway, so there you go, end of show. <laughs> <laughs> just like that. Good night, so, everybody. In the future, we should do a, um, we, sh we should do the role-playing thing. Um, thing and also the Patreon thing and I also talked about like uh, the Matt Mark Mim Mobe from uh, whatever it starts with an M from uh, History on the Table. Oh Matt, Matt, ah, <laughs> I was I trying guess to right. figure out what you were talking about. I, th I talked with him about <laughs> Matt you know, Mark Mim Mobe. Yeah. I thought you were going back to Mork Bork. <laughs> uh, that too, Matt Borg. That's what we'll call it. Um, you know, it was. You know, I was like, yeah, well, yeah, the show was great. You know, it'd be cool to do just like a just like a, a hangout, you know, on on Twitch or you know, <laughs> Skype or something. One time, would be fun to do. And he's like, yeah, he's like, I've I've tuned into those, you know, and they just kind of end up sucking and just being bad. And I'm like, well, you know, we don't have to do it for an audience. We could just hang out, you know, whatever on a Friday night or something. Since we're the cool kids and we're in on every Friday night, well, you know, just me, but, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, I'm tired. All right. See you well, guys later. Thanks, Keep your guys. stick on the ice. Good night. <laughs> Good night.